Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, gardening friends. We hope all is well in your world and that you're not too soggy out there. Uh, we are ready to go. When you phone in, you'll speak with Bev Daring, 94841927. And John Glidden, our Chief Researcher and Garden Show Chef, is standing by, keeps us all on track. Big shout out to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for setting a cracking pace in breakfast and also wrapping up with a cycling report just now. Peter Kelly kept an eye on things for Jim. Thank you both, boys. We appreciate that. And you can email us if you would like to go to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. We've only had a couple of weeks off and already I've done a couple of things on, on and off air. I get rusty very, very quickly. We get into holiday mode very, very fast and we've got to snap back out of it. Uh, we shouldn't be like that after just two weeks, but we're getting older. Well, it's three though. weeks three since weeks, we were really. being here. Right? I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's what I'm going to say. That's my excuse. How have you been? I've been well. Not much time in the garden. It's been pretty cold and it's not wet. been the best gardening weather. We did have a few fine days here and there. They're very cold days, but they were lovely because simply because they were dry. Well, and we, I think we've had more than our fair share of ice. Yeah, out in the garden. Yeah, at our place. Yeah, and has that done any damage? Well, the lawn has browned off, uh, oh, so that's yeah. no big deal. That will come back. Mm. Uh, a few plants are looking a bit worse for wear. Really, I just have to stop looking at them, Ray, and ignore them until the weather warms up a bit. I it, can't do anything about I know. it. It if, is if hard. you cut back, then you get the next level of damage lower yeah. down. So yeah. yeah, it is like we just have to. Everything has to tough it out to get through the next month or two. Well, and yeah. I have been doing that with the garden for years. And, and you what know, we end up with is pretty is good. What we've got, and yeah, that I've I am also thinking along those same lines with you know certain things. I think what makes it makes it, what doesn't doesn't. I have to think like that, or I'd go crazy. I want to put you know blankets over everything and keep everything warm. But you know what, everything's tougher than you think it is. Some some are, and some just some aren't. curl up their toes. Mm. Yeah, but. We we do try. Some things mm. we will give prima donna attention to mm. and we need to. Otherwise, all the gardens across Perth would all be dumbed down to the same common denominator. Mm. So sometimes you've got to have a point of difference, don't you? Well, that's what I like. And speaking <laughs> of point of difference, we've got two great guests this morning. Ben Parry from Oe's Garden. Uh, now that's down in Bunbury and they do come up to Perth from time to time. They get up to the festivals. Uh, I bought some great plants through these guys. Chatting to Ben at 20 past eight and we have a Digby Grounds, the legendary plant breeder from Kings Park and Botanic Gardens joining us in the studio at, from 20 to nine. So that's like having royalty in the studio, isn't it? I was it thinking that yesterday. Is. I was thinking he is, he is as good as it gets. 
And Kings Park is in the spotlight this really this is month, with the light show. It? Oh, it's amazing. I'm going on Tuesday, and that's the day they forecast where the heavens are going to open up. And I mm. reckon that will be what will happen to me. But I'll just take a brolly and away I go. You know, it was quite surprising because mm. we were forecast rain, and we got there. It was. Freezing, freezing cold, cold. Mm. and uh, we we got the brollies out. We only had drips, and once you get down in amongst the trees, it's surprising how that microclimate changes, and it yeah. actually wasn't cold. It's yeah. it's an incredible show. Yes, it, it just goes and goes. It's yeah. really extensive, and where it is, you can't see a lot of it until you're amongst it so it's quite surprising yeah no i can't wait and uh, so i've been you know what i was waiting for the school holidays to come Mm. and go i'm sorry but it's true my (laughs) advice is to get there early because we arrived at 5 30 parking was easy that's what i've done Uh, i booked in for the six o'clock it changed a lot Mm. uh as time went on because there were people leaving and more people coming because parking Um, would be the doozy Mm. they've got a bar there overlooking um, a van with a gazebo where you can sit and have a drink overlooking the city. That's down amongst it. It's just, just done. They're doing it so well. There's food vans. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a real, a real treat. Kids loved it. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So no, I can't wait. But as I say, I'm sure it's going to pelt down with rain. But what, it, whatever, what it is, it is what it is. Isn't that the saying? You don't like that saying, but. It is. <laughs> Well, no, I don't like it because we, we, can't, we can't change it. it. We can't change it. All right, so guys, we're back. We want to know what's been going on in your gardens, how you've been coping uh, with this winter that we have had. And we've had our share of winter. We certainly have. Uh, we have even something from one of our volunteers. We have a citrus gall wasp has, has wreaked havoc out there uh, this year. It certainly has. I have pulled out my lemon tree. Mm. I dug it out. And I've replanted. I put in a vintage red tree, a eucalyptus, in its place, which is the black leaf, ready black leaf. I trekked up to bigger trees last Saturday. And we pushed, got it in the car, and away we went. Yeah, and it's in the <laughs> oh, ground. Fantastic! Mm. A black leaf gum tree. How uh-huh. interesting! Mm. I showed them to you at the Perth Garden Festival. Yes, you did. Yes, they've been on my that. radar for a few years. Mm. I saw one first at a nursery in Beaufort Street some years ago, and I came back and I researched the life out of it, and I never quite forgot it. And then they started to come through. I've seen mm. them in in the big green box, and I thought, oh, these things are coming getting more popular and I thought I'm going to give this a go because I've done a little fair bit of reading where you can keep it maintain it to a certain height and I just think that color foliage uh, is going Mm. to sit very nicely there so I'm I am disappointed about the lemon tree but I have maintained that now for a number of years getting no fruit because I'm constantly cutting out gall wasp Mm. so yeah well that's that's a fair call if if it doesn't do yeah, you're not, what there's you no purpose. need yeah. and if it causes and it's not that you stress, beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's an yeah. opportunity yeah. to do something differently. Yeah, and so I did. Yes, for sure. Okay, we're going to Mundaring. Good morning, Margaret. You are first call for the morning. Good morning, girls. Good morning. Yes. How, how have you been? Oh, cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet up in Mundaring, definitely. Oh, down around one and two degrees yep. every morning. Yeah. Oh, that's warm compared to Jandicott. <laughs> We've had minus. <laughs> of course you have, yeah. Mm. How can we Sorry help you, Margaret? Boring subject about the lawn. Um, is it uh, around about the time I can put some dolomite on? Because I forgot to do it in autumn. 
to well, uh, I've had got a lot of mo- the lawn gets no sun in the winter. Yes. And the moss has got thicker and spread further and some weeds. Well, it was so, you that told us about this trick a few years ago. Yeah, yeah uh, and I've done it. <laughs> I have tried it. Yes, but I forgot to do it earlier this year. So um, I thought, is it too late to do it, to change the pH? I don't think it would actually be too late, and I think it would probably knock um, the the weeds and mosses around a bit, which would be in keeping with some potential new growth. Do you know, next weekend, we will be like one month away from spring. Yeah, it's ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? Not that you're counting or anything. <laughs> well, I just hope that spring arrives on time. Yeah, don't we all? Mm. Uh, but that's what we're waiting for, Margaret. The, the warmer weather... Uh, to kick off some new growth and to recover from from the cold and and rains and winter conditions for our lawns. Yeah, well, maybe the dolomite would would be a good idea about now, wouldn't it? By the time it starts working, mm, I'd say so. Yeah, and with the bit of rain around, mm-hmm. uh, would wash it in nicely. Yes. Thank you for that. That's good. Thank you, girl. That's all right. Permission to go ahead. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. See you, Margaret. Thanks, Margaret. Bye. Bye. And today's program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. All right. Very soon we're chatting with Ben Parry from... I always get this wrong. I used to say always. It's always. I'd say always garden. Always garden. Mm. Yeah, always not quite right, is it? (laughs) Always garden. I bought some really nice plants off these guys, actually. They are uh, absolutely legends, aren't they? And uh, we're talking about winter wake-up aloes and crassulas and aeoniums, and they are looking really good at the moment, yeah. It's funny how some of the succulents over summertime, you know, you'd think they'd power through, but the Ionians actually shrink down a little bit and and they have their dormant time. And, you know, when the the cooler weather comes and some of the rains come, these Ionians, they're they're rosettes and they just, they burst into life. They Mm. swell up and they open up and they get much bigger. Mm. They really come to life in winter. so it was interesting to hear Ben say that crassulas are a, another one that really thrives and wakes up in winter. And looking at some of the gardens around Perth, there is no shortage of colour. Colour, Like yeah. if you're looking out into your gardens at home, people, and thinking how drab it is, mm. you need to Look get closer. out and add, mm. add something colour. that mm. brightens up your winter garden. Mm. Mm. And uh, the crassulas, the aloes and the aeoniums are one thing, not to mention grevilleas. So mm-hmm. we, we've got a lot of colour to talk about today. Well, that's right. So we are talking about the new grevillea release from uh, Kings Park, Boer Lu Moon, a beautiful hot pink baby, this one. Uh, it looks absolutely sensational. And I do believe it's been released into garden centres. I haven't seen it. I'd love to get my eyes on it and uh, have a look at it. But we'll learn more about... Uh, this one and grevilleas and how to grow them in, in general when Digby comes into the studio. That will be happening at 22.9. He will sit with us for the rest of the show. So all your native questions, you've got the very best person you could ever wish to speak to to get the right answers. Well, and it's not just flowers, is it, Ray? There's some gorgeous leaf 
vari- leaf varieties in grevilleas as well. Yes, there are. Oak, oak and colours. Ground colours. Yeah. And not I'm attracted to that as shrubs. well. There's mm. small flowering ones. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of variety out there to choose from. Yeah, see, I only have one and I want more. And I said to you, I'm prepared to dig something out <laughs> to put one in. What really size should it be? Oh, I don't want it too big. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'd, I'd say one and a half metres is about mm. as big as I want. Uh, yeah, I don't want it to, you know, I know some can get very, very tall and suit, suit the purposes intended, but they do come in uh, a lot of different sizes, mm. which is very handy. So, yeah, it's just about, you know, shopping around, doing your research, doing your homework. And, so if you've uh, got your shopping list and you want it 1.5 high, do you want a particular flower colour? Do you want a large flower or a small oh, flower? Well, I, I probably would prefer large, but I try to stick to a colour theme in my garden. Mm. But every now and then I bust out of that and go, damn it, I'm having that. Yeah, so, you know, red is thrown in there, burgundy is thrown in there. I can't help myself. I don't, yeah, but I do try and stick primarily to blues and orange colours. So I do have an orange grevillea, of course I do. The I tangerine if you can dream. Put in an order for a blue grevillea. That would a be bluey nice. purple. Yeah, that would be yeah. Yeah, that would be really, really nice. Well, he's done it with kangaroo paws. Yeah, yeah that's right. So yeah, we'll order it up. We'll get it we'll get it done. Okay. Uh Irene is on the phone and she would like to give us some feedback about green life soil. Ooh ooh. Irene, good morning. Yeah, good morning, girls. Um, yeah, I wanted to let you know that I went up there. I mean, it was the second time I'd been up there, and um, I bought a heap of veggie mix, which I've put oh, good. filled up all my containers and planted out a heap of veggies into already. Couldn't wait. Fantastic. And and a heap of sunflower seeds for my um, daughter's garden in Mandra. So as soon as it gets warmer, I'll try to make her garden a bit more presentable. So you did good work with your voucher. Oh, yeah. I went to a lecture there the week before, so I I knew all about them and that was fabulous. Yeah. Oh, that's good, good, Irene. Yes, yes. And And I promise I'm not going to enter the competition anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I've won it too many times. (laughs) And what, um, what vegetables did you plant? Um, I know, I think I ended up a bit late with the chives, but I put in broccoli, chives and uh, an edible sort of brassica, Mm. sort of halfway between broccoli and something else, I'm not sure. I'm hoping that'll be all right. So, yeah, so that that was it. I didn't get carried away. Mm. Oh, and cos lettuce. Oh, Oh, perfect. Can't go wrong. That sounds like a lovely combination. Thank you very much, and um, I will stay away from your competition from now on. <laughs> oh, well, you're very no, welcome no, to play, Irene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks very much. All right, thanks for letting okay. us know. You take care. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Bye. And I'm just looking at our humidity at the moment. It's sitting at 99% oh. right now. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Doesn't Humid and cold doesn't seem to go together, does it? It does apparently, yeah. <laughs> because as it, as the temperature goes up, the humidity drops down. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm not a weather so specialist, like so, but fog? I am obsessed with the weather. I have to say, I do check it out quite regularly, and I think it's because of the garden. I do think that. Do you know what I'm obsessed with? What? Slow mold. Oh, I know that. <laughs> I know that. I know what you've been up to in the last two weeks. Yes. And I've got my light working on my microscope, so I'm back in business. I've got a study full of specimens and been in contact with Karina and we're going to have her on the show in a couple of weeks. Well, I see we're talking about slime mould. Is it next week? 
Uh, well, next week there's actually a walk and talk on. I know. I've read that. But that's fully booked. Yeah, that's uh, in Kensington. But mm-hmm. the following week we will have Karina on. And there's a new a new slime mould has just been described. Mm-hmm. And so, that is exciting because? Well, it's it's new. It's new. It's new to science. Yeah. So And it's been described. So a lot of work goes into getting to that point. And yeah. um, Karina is actually off to Estonia next month to yeah. present at a conference so mm. definitely putting Perth on the map we'll why don't For we call slime. them mix some my CTs and that way it sounds much nicer than slime, slime. Yeah. But they're fascinating mm. I know. So I see cute. what you've been posting on your Facebook page. So you've been very busy in that regard. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's your... That's my fun time. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, give us a call, 94841927. I remember the number, hey. And you are with Ray and Faye, tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. We're back from a two-week hiatus, our little winter recess, we like to call it. It's 23 minutes past eight. And as we mentioned earlier in the program, we are chatting to the manager of Oe's Garden and Nursery down there in Bunbury, Ben Parry. Ben, good day. You with Ray and Faye? Hello. How are we? Good, good how morning. Are you? We're really good. How are you? How's it looking down there? Very well. It's, it's not too bad considering considering the plants are looking green as they're all, they're all surviving the winter. Well, you've got the right plants, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you got there, Ben? Uh, we specialise in tropical and arid plants. So uh, the nursery is pretty much split in half. Half mm. of it's arid, half of it's tropical. Wow. Well, that's going to put us in good stead going forward, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so what is looking fantastic right now? Yes. At the moment, you've actually got, uh, you've got a lot of succulents that are active, which um, you know the average person would think, would think they're desert plants, but a lot of them are actually active in the cooler months. Yeah. So... Um, if, if, you, if you've got a keen eye, you'll notice a lot of your Ionians will be waking up and uh, doing their absolute best now. And, of course, you've got aloes. Aloes are a big one in winter for arid plants. But um, there's, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot that's going on in winter when it comes to uh, succulent and arid plants, which is not what you'd expect. Mm. So yeah. when you say aloes, uh, yeah. everyone knows about aloe vera. Uh, yeah. But... But beyond that, what else, what are some of the different ones and what size, what colour, uh, habit? Aloes are a huge genus, absolutely massive. So um, they go from like very small, what they call tabletop aloes or miniature aloes. Tabletop, all okay. To, um, all the way up to aloes that grow into trees. So there's aloe mm. barberae, which uh, will grow into a tree eventually. We're talking oh, three or four metres high, many, many, many trunks and heads. So um, you can you can have your full garden with aloes and still have your height low, and then you've got unbelievable colours when it comes to the flowers. What are your favourites? My favourite, I really really like aloe dichotoma, which is the uh, the quiver aloe from quiver? Uh, um, from Africa. Yeah, the uh, the locals use the the native people. They used to hollow out the trunks to put to use for their quivers for their arrows. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're fantastic, amazing plants. Just the bark on the stem is just incredible. Did you say dichotoma? Yeah, dichotoma. So it's named after what the plant does, which is dichotomizing when one head splits into two. Yes. So um, that's its most natural growth habit, and yeah, they're they're incredible. And what size does that go to, and what colour are the flowers? Oh, 
in habitat, you're probably looking at about five metres or more. Whoa. Um, we've got a few in Bunbury here that are probably about three metres tall. Um, you got yellow, little yellow chubby flowers on those. But those ones are mainly grown for their form, um, just because they look beautiful without flowers. But yeah, every year they will grow little, little yellow chubby flowers on them as well. So, have you got one of those in the garden there? Yeah, we have multiple in the garden, and um, we grow them from seed too. So, um, you can you can have your chance to get your own. <laughs> wow, because I know um, you're not just a nursery. You did you start off as a garden there, being open to the public, or how no. did the whole thing come about? Yeah, always always garden started with always lived in this property for thirty plus years, and um, she used to grow plants and take it to the market for a hobby. And then um, her son used to work up in the mine. David and uh, he he got migraines really badly, so he had to stop working the mines and come back home. He he got obsessed with uh, tillandsias, your air plants. Oh yes, yeah, I love them. And eventually that moved on to succulents and uh, tropicals. And then a few years later, he went, "Hey, Mum, Dad, can we make this into a nursery?" And we've spent the last five or six years making that happen. Wow, uh, the gardens are just amazing. Like just something so different to what you you see in a typical garden oh yeah yeah that's what we've, we we set out to try and be different because it's, it's really hard to survive in the plant world yeah you've got to have that point of difference don't yeah, you yeah you're doing mm. the same stuff as everyone else yeah it's not gonna work no um, and but, you know we we built it from a passion we're, we're not about the money at all we just we really really love working with our plants <laughs> It shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. At the um, Kalamunda Garden Festival, I got from you. It was a Plowmanii cross with. Oh yeah. And it's going. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Oh, that's, that's the huge tillandsia. Oh no is no it? no! It's no? a Plowmanii. It's an aroid, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Philodendron. Yeah. Oh, is it a philodendron? Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. Same 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 family. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, it's uh, he's going gangbusters, he or she. And uh, yeah, you said uh, one of you said to me, this is uh, one of the ones we absolutely recommend, and I'm very happy. It's very strong. I'm glad. That's so good to hear. And I bought it to Lansia through you at the Perth Garden Festival. That was a beautiful one. And he's outside. Oh. He's doing extremely well. And that's oh, been on my yeah. list for a long time. Actually, I was very, very uh, delighted to be able to get him. Mm. Yeah, well, Ben, really cool, explain Tillandsias to, to our listeners. Okay, Tillandsias, um, that's, that's the fancy name, the genus name for air plants. So um, they've got little little cells on their leaves called trichomes, which is the, the plant word for plant hairs. Um, but these are actually little cells that take in all the water and nutrients they need from the air, so they don't need to be planted in the soil, which means you can get incredibly creative with them. You can mount them on things, put them in with the other plants, put them everywhere and anywhere. And um, they're just a joy to grow, really easy. So they'll hang off tree branches, kind yeah. of up in the air on a yeah branch or over. wood backdrop. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're part of the bromeliad family. So um, mm. you, you, you can do that with a few bromeliads as well. You can uh, mount them to, to trees and whatnot as they mm. grow in habitat, and that'll work. So that's the tropical side of the garden, would you say? Yeah, uh, it, it's halfway. Some, some plants here are tropical. Some of them are arid. So yeah, it's, it's hard when you when you get really into a genus and uh, but you start thinking they're all from the same place, but really they're they're from all different habitats. So yeah. it's down to the individual species of plants. Yes. 
It just means that there's something for every level of garden enthusiast out there. That's right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Ben, what do you recommend at the moment for winter care for cactus and succulents? What are, what are your tips? Winter care? Um, yeah. it's a, I always keep an eye out for fungal because, okay. as you know, they're not from our habitat. Um, so they're usually little orange spots on cactus and euphorbia. Uh, euphorbia hate the cold. So um, if you have some euphorbias that are struggling... Bring, bring them in on your patio if you can because they really don't like the cold. Uh, probably next month is when I start putting on some slow release fertiliser and uh, preventative insecticide just because when the weather warms up, so does the mealybug and the scale and all the other terrible pests. Okay. But really, it's, it's, it's mainly just about keeping your eye on the fungal and um, getting them ready for spring. So next month I'll start repotting things that I'm able to keep dry as well. But you won't do that now? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, I'll usually do it probably the start of start of next month. I'll start really amping things up. I was saying to uh, Faye off air this morning. Um, I have a huge elkhorn medusa sitting on the top of my letterbox, and I went out to grab the paper before I left to come to work. And there's something I don't know. Faye reckons it could be just simply the cold um, at the front of the plant. I just happened to notice all these uh, pieces on the ground. Uh, and I don't know whether it was a bird, a person, or purely, as Faye said, that it's cold and just some of the stems have just snapped. Yeah, that, that, that to me sounds like um, sounds like someone or something has snapped it because we get we get pretty bad frost down here um, where we are in yeah. Bunbury demographic anomaly and we haven't had that happen to our old corn. Cause I, just, I was just mortified. It's just not at the yeah. front of it and it's a massive thing now. It's, it's actually a, a sh- as ugly as they are. It's a showpiece. It really mm. is. I wouldn't yeah, part with it and I just can't believe I didn't know whether a bird might do that. There's just all these broken pieces everywhere, oh, just at the no very way. front of it, facing the, yeah, the road, if you like. But anyway, I just wondered because... Oh, it, not your paper man. What's the paper man? Well, when they throw the paper, Ray. That's another Ooh. option. Never thought of that. You'll be able to tell, like, never thought uh, of that. if it if it has actually broken, yeah, or if broken. it has rotted. No, it's so, broken. Yeah. Mm. You know what? I think Faye's on the money. The rotten sods. I've, I've experienced the newspaper. This yeah, mm. I reckon that's what's happened because it's it's fresh, mm. and the paper wasn't far away from it. Mm. Ah, see, just stuff happens, doesn't it? It's just not easy being a gardener. (laughs) Everything is against us. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So when are you guys up in Perth next? What's what's on the agenda? Will you be up for the uh, Calamunda show in September? Yeah, we've we've pretty much locked in Calamunda now. So unless something something happens down here, we'll we'll most likely be at every Calamunda show. And we're planning to go to the Perth Garden Festival again this year as well. But yeah, the next one coming up will be Calamunda. And we will be there with our range of uh, tropical and succulent plants. Yeah, well, what I love about your products, I find them incredibly healthy, very strong, you know, obviously well-priced. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, you're well worth considering people well, in the market. Well, if anyone is heading south. <laughs> exactly, to Bunbury. It's a must, it's a stop. must stop. Yeah. Are you yeah. open every day down there, Ben? Uh, we're open Thursday to Sunday. Because, okay. Uh, we're a production nursery and we only yeah. have a few people, so we've got to spend a few days, you know, uh, looking after the plants. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's a big, yeah. it's a, I've been there, it's a, it's a big setup. And you'll want yeah. to make sure it's in tip top condition for our garden club visit. 
bus trip. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, we will. It'll, <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I remember that trip actually, and the the, the, the storage part of the bus was absolutely chock well, as well. Yeah, <laughs> but we've got another one booked for August, Ray. So oh, yeah, dear. same same. Hilarious. All right, Ben, thank you so much for your time this morning. We'll let you get back to doing your thing. And uh, we really appreciate your uh, information to us and to our listeners. And hope we hope we'll be seeing you very soon. Yeah, make sure you go out and support your local nurseries in winter. It's a tough time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Good on you, Ben. Thanks a lot, Ben. Appreciate it, guys. Cheers. Take care. They are a great group, aren't they? Well, yeah. they are. They also so have a Facebook page, yeah. uh, and they're they're posting up. Ben and David are like a double act, and mm. uh, they post these funny videos. They obviously have a lot of fun working. And together. And they're sort of cool guys, aren't they? Oh, they sort yeah. of don't take themselves very seriously. Yeah. I've noticed. No, yeah. they just love what they're doing, and their plants. Well, every show plant it. I've got from them has mm. been a winner. Mm. Yeah, and I'm yeah I'm not just saying that. So it they've has. got a range of indoor plants. They've yep. got succulents. Yep. Uh, they've got a garden that you can wander around, yeah. large garden. They've got cactus. And, you know, if you didn't think you liked cactus or succulents, yeah, you, might you be should surprised. see what they've done to it. And, you know, if we're looking for plants that look good all year round, they provide good form and structure. And when you look into the patterns, talk about patterns in nature, you look into some of those succulents, the form is mesmerising. Mm. They're just architectural, they're beautiful. Obviously, um, from the tabletop varieties to the tree aloes or... Did you see Better Homes and Gardens last night? No. Yeah, there was a a beautiful garden there that was loaded with succulents and that was an absolute must-see if you can watch it back on uh, Mm. replay. Absolutely breathtaking. The colours, you see, you're only restricted by your imagination. Exactly. The, yeah. the way the colours change mm. is phenomenal. Yep. I oh, love you it. can I do a, a lot with a garden different times of year. And of course, bromeliads are another one that change depending on the light. So you can bring a lot of colour to a garden through foliage and you can mm. bring a lot of. And I'm more to your garden. As I've become older and evolved, I'm more attracted to foliage than I am more so to flowers. Yeah. My friend Ethel's father said to her about you can, as long as you've got variety in foliage colour in mm. the garden, mm. your garden can always look good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I buy into that. Absolutely. I'm still reeling about the newspaper. It, that's what's be, happened. Right? The newspaper's whacked my plant. Mm. I know. <laughs> See, we can solve anything on this program, <laughs> even our own personal woes. I'm just <laughs> thinking like, wow. All right, guys, 94841927. We have a couple of emails. We do. Um, but, you know, getting back to your plant race, so oh. pick up those pieces, put yeah. them aside, mm. let them dry off, and, mm. you know, they can sit for a month or so before mm. they need to be planted and make new make plants. new plants and often we have to do this uh, geraniums are a prime example mm. uh, they go off at a certain time of the year so renewing plants is such a good thing to do yeah sometimes yeah. you have to trade in your old plant uh, well we did get another email and i did get a message about the citrus gall wasp so if you're hearing this for the first time uh, and if you have a citrus in your garden yeah Go out and have a look. 
What we're looking for is swellings Swelling. in the stems. Mm. And these, where, where your branches might often be green, these become hardened, woody looking, greyish brown, and they're swellings. You may see some holes in there if a gall wasp has emerged. And they're firm, they're hard. Oh, mm. they're mm. hard as a rock. You mm. would be battling to cut them with a knife. Mm. They are that hard, yeah. really hard. Uh, so what I need you to do is go out and cut them out of your tree, mm. even if it means sacrificing your tree. This is a problem right across Perth. Yeah. I know there was a segment many years ago about getting a potato peeler and scraping down the sides. But what you have to remember when you do that, you're compromising, well, the the growth and the work of the, the tree yeah. has yeah. already been compromised. Mm. The flow to the end has mm. been reduced. Mm. So the fruit on that branch isn't going to do particularly well. So your best option is to cut it right out. So if you cut the small um, galls out, small or large, John was saying you, he puts them in the microwave and saps them yeah. to kill them. Yeah. The thing is, we don't want to be putting these onto green waste prunings no, and now. moving the problem around. Now will so be a big problem. It mm. may be that you end up with a huge pile, but if you can cut out those little bits, you can put them in a black plastic bag and leave them for weeks Let and weeks solarize. in the sun. Mm. You can pulverise them, put them mm. through a mulcher. Mm. That can help. Uh but yes, remove them now. They should have been done by the end of June. June, yeah. yeah. And they are a problem right across Perth. Now, we did receive an email from Elizabeth this week and she asks if we know of a garden group that can help. For example, she's got trees that need pruning, but she'd be happy to swap for weeding. And the group oh, that yeah. I think I of... I think that's groovy. There, there is a group of permaculture enthusiasts that have perma blitzes and a whole group go to a garden and work together on everything that's required. So there are permaculture groups out there that Doing you can that join. Doing sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Someone does a job for you, you do a job for them. Yeah, fantastic. And they, you know, of course, they involve... Um, bringing biscuits and cakes and helping each other out. Yeah, excellent. All right, we're going to a short break. When we return, Margaret, we see your call. Um, and actually, Coral rang in of Forestfield saying, Ray, could it be rats eating your plant? Uh, she's having a terrible time with them. Well, I've never seen a rat where I live. I'm not saying they're not there because that would be very naive of me, but I've never actually seen one. But I just, I've never had anything like this happen before. Everything else is okay. I think Faye's hit the nail on the head, Coral, where... The newspaper's been hurled at probably three three o'clock this morning because it's fresh and it's just been smashed mm. at the front and it so all it all just ties yep. in. So mm. that's that. We we carry on and Margaret will be chatting with you about your cottonwood hibiscus in just a moment. And good morning. You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with Rain Faye. And we have been joined in the studio, as promised, by legendary plant breeder from Kings Park Botanic Gardens, Digby Grounds. Good I've got morning. it right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> we were just saying off air, um, quite often Digby gets growns and because there's just that synergy, isn't there, with, yeah. the, with the word G-R-O-W-N-S, but it's grounds. Yes, that's correct. It Thank actually you. came from uh, G-R-O-U-N-D-S and way back 300 years ago they didn't so? spelt it so yeah. oh, okay okay yeah. and thank you for tracking in we appreciate that i envision you're extremely busy 
fellow? Uh, look, at the moment, yeah, yeah and it, uh, it builds up right through from now to October. Um, yeah, so there's lots going on because it's flowering season. Yeah, it certainly yeah. is. Kings Park's looking fabulous by day and by night, night at the well, moment. That's right. Yeah, if anybody's been to Lightscape, um, it's extraordinary. Uh, so yeah, what a way to showcase Kings Park. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, sensational. Yeah. So I was saying to Faye, I get Faye's been. Uh, I'm heading up there on Tuesday. Oh, so awesome! I'm You'll love kick, it. Uh, oh, I know I will. We're just going to speak to Margaret, who's been very patiently waiting. Hi there, Margaret. How are you? Hi, ladies. Really well, thank you. That's good, Margaret. How can we help you today? Okay, so um, in my house, we've got a bit of a property, and down the back I've got a little bit of a native garden going, but also I've planted around 10 hibiscus cottonwoods. Wow. Now, we went away, yeah, we went because I want to make a screen. So I planted them probably about three metres apart. They're growing absolutely beautiful, um, lots of leaves, lovely colour, and I thought, oh, when I come back, they're going to be even bigger. I got back, and like I said, we just got back on Tuesday, so I believe we've had enough rain. Every single one of them has died. Oh. Whoa. Every single one. No. They're all in a row, and I just, I just, I'm flabbergasted at why that yes. would happen, because they're pretty tough. They're very they're tough. tough plants. Well, I don't think they would be affected by the cold. These these plants grow out like in the middle of yeah, well, roads. Yeah, cold weather before, and yeah, they were just growing so lovely. And I, I'm just at, I don't know what to do. Okay, Margaret, has anything happened suddenly, and or how close are they to perhaps a neighbour or back fence? Not, not close at all. Nowhere. We live in a block where, um, yeah, we've got like two acres and they're in a little section that I've sort of started, you know, that I can manage. Nothing in the way. No trees, nothing. How long have they been in? They've been in, I would say, about nine, ten months. Oh, gosh. Mm. And I've got them quite small, like as little, um, little tiny ones. And like I said, before I left, everything was growing beautiful. I did have a wander around. I noticed a small pink diosma that I had planted has died as well. But that was not near them. It's sort of a little bit further away. But all the other natives are fine. I've got other plants. But, yeah, every single one in a row is gone. Mm. You didn't... Were they fertilised at all, Margaret? Anything like that? No. No. Didn't do anything to them before we left. How long were you away for? Um, just under two weeks, about oh. 13 days. Gosh. And that like is... I said, we just got back on Tuesday and, I mean, I've heard that there's been plenty of rain. There have yeah. been plenty of rain mm. and cold. So unless they, for example, got hit with frost and have dropped their leaves, you know, in which case in springtime when it warms up, they could come back again. But that's that sounds extraordinary. Digby, can you think of anything that would? Oh, uh, what's do the that? soil type? It's, mm. um, so maybe if it's a heavier soil, it might have been waterlogged. The other thing is root binding. Sometimes when you buy really small plants and you don't tease the roots out, once they get to a certain size, they transpire more water than they can take up, even when it's wet, and they'll die from that. So that's a possibility. Mm. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. dig one up and and have a look. 
Yep, see if the roots are just yeah. stuck in one spot or... Okay. And that will or also tell you what the soil yeah. is like, whether it's it's sandy, whether it's wet and muddy. Right, okay, because I did put a bit of soil improver as when I dug the hole, I dug some of this existing soil, mixed it with a sort of bit of soil improver, put it in, and like I said, they were growing beautifully. Yep, check the roots. Okay, I'll check those. And so do you think if, uh, look, I'll chop them back and just wait until... No, 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 I wouldn't touch them now. Just dig one up, have a look, see what you can find, and just... Just wait for now because if you cut them back, if it is to do with the the cold, you might further stress them out. If they're going to come back, they probably will just reshoot in a few weeks anyway. All right. Okay. All right. I will do that. Thank you very much. Oh, good luck. Yeah. Gee, Margaret. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Have a great day, ladies. You too. Well, root binding can, can be a problem, can't it? Oh, we do have to go to a break, don't we? In a minute. Yeah, okay. we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah, your your clock is faster than mine. <laughs> Good yes, to know. Root binding, particularly uh, in, in a lot of um, Australian plants uh, and those from sandy soils naturally because uh, they have a really strong growing root system. So mm. if it's root, bind, root bound and they can't get their roots down, it, it can uh, kill your plants, yeah. And so I guess the thing to check is when people are, are planting their plants and they take it out of the pot, if those roots are coiled around and around and around and very tight, mm. obviously they can they keep going that way, don't they? Yeah, that's right. And uh, they'll, they'll end up strangling uh, the plant. And as the roots grow in size and because they're you know, not going anywhere, they'll just intertwine and the plant then just can't get the water that it needs because um, the top will keep growing and then, you know, it'll just die. It's a bit like having dieback. You know, it's the same sort of principle that kills the roots, but the roots can't get the water. Mm, okay. So to tease or not to tease, you really don't have a choice but to Yeah, the other way is to get a really ball. sharp knife and, and cut the roots. Okay. Um, so, you know, cut the curling around the bottom and then a couple of vertical cuts um, along, you know, down the where the root zone is, and you know, as long as you plant them at the right time of year and care for them, uh, they they should be fine. I guess that's a lesson to us all, isn't it? When we buy plants and take them home, we should probably get them where they're going sooner rather than later, rather than try and keep them in pots and Have and seeing there, mm. leave them too yeah. long. I look, I agree, and you know, the root part is the most important part of the plant. You yeah. don't see it, so you're not often aware of it but it, it's where their water and where their nutrition comes from so that needs to be the part that's the best yep all right we shall return Radio in thank you for your company this morning a special guest in the studio with us digby groans from legendary kings park and botanic gardens and uh yeah, the uh, the light show up there has been just obviously showcasing Kings Park as well. But you're here today to talk to us about grevilleas as well, which yeah. we're really keen to to yeah, know more about. Such great plants, so yeah, very happy to have a chat about that. Yes, all right. But what I'm going to do, just very briefly, whilst we can, and I can see we've got the opportunity, I'm going to give away a seventy-five dollar gift voucher 
Compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook. Now, winter is a great time to plant deciduous trees and Bigger Trees have been very busy potting up new supplies of bare root deciduous trees. New stock includes many fruiting, flowering and autumn colouring trees, including two varieties grafted onto one tree and three-way apples, two-way plums, apricots, cherries, nectarines, you get the idea. There's also a large supply of their newer varieties of low-chill cherry trees and so many different flowering deciduous trees, including cherry plum, plum and pear, apricot, peach, crab apple, as well as a variety of weeping flowering trees. And they've got a great new supply of grevilleas and kangaroo paws uh, happening as well. So if you would like to learn more, go to biggertrees.com.au for great online options. And don't forget to check out their Facebook page too for updates. Now, not to have won a prize on Curtain Radio in the last 28 days. Must be a Curtain FM member. You know the drill. Uh, you know the number. Uh, the question is, why did Simon and Garfunkel visit the lamppost in their song, the 59th Street Bridge Song, known better as Feeling Groovy? Why did Simon and Garfunkel visit the lamp lamppost in their song, the 59th Street Bridge Song, Better known as feeling groovy. Now, this is one of John's questions, and he wanted to <laughs> he wanted to set the pace by making it really hard because that's just the kind of guy he is. And uh, yes, yeah, so if you know the answer to that, it's a lyric is the answer. Actually, nine four eight four one nine two seven. Give Bev a call. You're shaking your I head. You haven't got a clue. Swing into the rhythm of it. Yeah. So the fifty ninth <laughs> Street Bridge song. Better known as feeling groovy. Why do they visit the lamppost in that song? I don't. I don't see the light. the The phone lines jumping just yet. I think there's a bit of Google. I, I don't even know the words to it. I just know the tune. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, I'll. That'll keep our listeners on our toes, yeah, on their toes, on their toes. Ah, so Digby, getting back to Gravillias, you've got some new news. Ah, uh, yeah. So we've uh, just released. Uh, a new grevillea called Bulu Moon, yeah, um, which is a, a really fantastic grevillea. Um, bright pink flowers, flowers all year. Oh, uh, that's amazing! That's what I uh, love. Yeah. Something that you just is flowering all year round. Yeah, and we really try and um, for most of our hybrids, either all year or long flowering, and, it, yeah. and it's really about providing food and habitat for urban fauna. Mm. Uh, so because we're a conservation agency, you know, we, we have a, a conservation-based breeding program. We're probably the only one on the planet uh, ornamental program that has conservation as the major focus. And so that, you know, habitat and food for urban fauna is really important, but also using less water, using less fer fertiliser, being pest and disease tolerant so people aren't uh, using chemicals on their plants in their gardens and also that um, you know landscape resilience in the face of climate change so we want your garden to look fantastic um, even though some of the climate conditions can yeah. be fairly extreme yeah so what sort of fauna are attracted to grevilleas? Well, um, the honey-eating birds yeah. in particular, but also, um, uh, you know, bees and other pollinators are attracted as well. Um, so, you know, if you have a veggie garden um, and you're looking to get a better uh, product from it, if you plant a couple of uh, Kings Park hybrid grevilleas around there, the bees will come all year 
and then when your you know veggies or fruit are flowering they'll pollinate them as well so you get better production from your garden and so the you know insect eating birds will also um, come and then you know the small reptiles lizards etc um, so it's really they become a real microclimate for a whole range of different fauna well they're they're a great companion plant then for a vegetable garden they make a lovely hedge yeah, uh, yeah. and of course birds will nest in there too <laughs> yeah that's right and um, they can be pruned fairly readily so you know I often say treat grevilleas like roses yeah um, so you can give them a hard prune once a year or okay. just prune them you know two or three times a year it's always a tragedy cutting the flowers off yeah but, uh, but they need that so is well, there any specific time of the year that, to, that uh, well yeah autumn or, or spring not when autumn it's too spring. cold but mm. um, I mean you don't have to but you know some people prefer to maintain plants at a particular size so they will respond to pruning if you want to do that. And the Bulu Moon, that is available now? Yeah, look, it, it certainly has been available. It was limited numbers, but more will come through. It's actually the Indigenous name for the Perth area, Bulu, mm -hmm. and so was named in honour of the 150th year of the gazetting of Kings Park. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really a great grevillea uh, and really reflects you know, Kings Park, which is a fantastic place. And and how long has Bulu been in the... How long has it taken you to get it to this stage? Uh, that's... The whole cultivation. I think I did the cross around 2011. So... Wow. You know, only, you know, 12 years. Good grief! <laughs> I mean, it's just hard to... So what do you what do? You do? What's, what does... Did that moment in time look like? Uh, well, so... You know, way back then, so you do a you do a cross, which is just transferring pollen from one plant to the stigma with a paintbrush. No, I, a paintbrush is not actually a great uh, crossing tool because pollen from other plants gets uh, stuck in there. So you, the if you want to know actually what the parent are, so I use a little knife, right. uh, easily cleaned, etc. Yeah, so then wait for the seed uh, to form, uh, which is probably you know three, four months, and then we harvest that, grow it up, evaluate it, and uh, that can take, you know, three or four years before we think maybe. Um, so how do you remember what you've done? Oh, I've got, a, <laughs> uh, I've got a, an amazing uh, multi-layered spreadsheet. Oh, so I can track yeah. uh, the parentage of every cross that I've done. Do you tag that stem? Yeah. Yeah, so each each flower, not only the stem, but each flower is tagged. Mm. Um, so you know the actual ones you did the cross on because you don't always cross every flower on the um, on the flowering head and and sometimes they can self-pollinate. So you need to know, you know, which one you actually did the pollen transfer to. Uh, yeah, so they're all, each one's tagged and then with a breeding number and a date. Um, um, I would be in my element. I, it, I'd be. I'm fascinated by what you do. I think that's my missed calling. Now, look, we do have a winner, Frida from Bassendine. Good on you, Frida. Seventy-five dollar gift voucher from Bigger Trees is on its way to you this week. The question was, why did Simon and Garfunkel visit the lamppost in their song, the Fifty Ninth Street Bridge song? Better known as Feeling Groovy. The lyrics are, Hello, lamppost, whatcha knowing? I've come to watch your flowers growing. Oh, good on you, John. <laughs> okay, nine o'clock news.
And the temperature has climbed to 11.6 degrees and the humidity is sitting at 94%. Maximum of 19 today, partly cloudy, 5% chance of any rain. And the minimum overnight will be 7 and maximum tomorrow of 20. It will be gorgeous and sunny. And the same for Monday. The minimum overnight will be 9 with a maximum of 21 and also very sunny. So a beautiful weekend uh, ahead of us. And our rainfall so far for July, 69.8 mils. And I think we're going to do improve that a lot in the next week or so before the end of July in any case. Now, uh, Nola of Greenwood has phoned in and she has two grevilleas, uh, three to four years old, and Scarlet Moon and Little John. I do like Little John. I think he's great value. Leaves going quite yellow. What can she do or feed them? Yeah, so Scarlet Moon in some soil types does get quite uh, yellow leaves, particularly the the bottom leaves. Right. Um, and in heavier soils, it does really well. Um, doesn't seem to look back. So if it's in a sandy soil, um, you know, it probably needs a bit more water and a bit more fertiliser. So just use a, a slow release, um, you know, six or three or six month fertiliser on that. On that. Something um, particularly designed for natives or doesn't it matter so much uh, with grevilleas? It, it, they're not as, it's not as critical, um, but generally use a low phosphorus, 2% phosphorus, um, and that just stops, you know, the phosphorus going into your, into the, um, the water, the groundwater as well, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and what about little John, same, same uh, treatment? It, little John as a grevillea, I don't know, it it, little John uh, is a callistamine as far as I know. Okay. So um, if it's that callistamine yeah. little John, mm. they're very, very tough. With, a, um, with the red flower, yeah. you know, sort yeah. of a grey olivey yeah, sort of plant. leaf. Absolutely great plant. They're, stu- so, they're tough. Yeah, they look. If you can kill that, you're doing yeah, a really yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, think about another, uh, <laughs> yeah. another profession. But um, look, they also will respond to slow-release fertiliser and a bit of, bit more water. Okay, so you think that's what is the issue there? It, yeah, it most seems likely. to be. Yeah. So how, how much water then? Well, generally, uh, once grevilleas are established, they'll go, they, you don't need water um, to keep them alive. But if you want them looking a bit better, want them to flower a bit better, you know, the, the standard, you know, two days a week should be fine. But when they're starting to, to go a bit yellow and, and look, also the cold mm. uh, can affect because in cold weather, mm. nutrients don't, don't get taken up as quickly. Um, yeah. So that's another another issue that it could be affected because of the. So if you year. put on a slow release fertilizer now, uh, my understanding is that that will be released when the the soil temperature gets yeah. to a certain level. So that's if you right. put it on now, it's just going to sit there until the soil warms, yeah. and then it will start to work. Yeah. So that's. Correct. So you might want to use a bit of a foliar, yeah, foliar or a liquid fertilizer around the, uh-huh. the base of the plant at this time of year. Uh, that could help. That could help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very very interesting. Now with the Bulu Moon, how big does it get? Did oh, we look, discuss? If you, if you let it go, probably after five years, it'll be about two meters by two meters. But mm. um, you can, you know, as I said, you can prune it. It loves being tip pruned that plant, and okay. that really bushes it out. Um, he can live in a pot. Oh yeah, and you know, if you really want to um, make a, a garden statement, you know, get a ceramic, big ceramic pot, and put some grevilleas in in there, and they they love it. You know, they'll just 
flour and flour and flour and and the advantage with that is that you can move the pot around yeah. so it's in the sun, Follow the sun. all the time. Um, and the birds will still come, you know, in the pot, and, and it's great. So if you've got a if you've got a vantage point where you like watching the birds in your garden, you know, yeah. put one in a pot and and, sit and put back it out there and, and watch. Yeah, sit back and watch better yeah. than TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Okay, carry on. Carry what on. are some other favourites? Gravillia-wise, um, say a small ground cover plant with a unusual foliage. Yeah, so we've got one called red coral. Um, so that's um, and we named it that because um, of the the coral-like foliage and the and the red flower. That doesn't flower all year, um, but it it's got these amazing you know red-coloured flowers on it uh, for probably four to five months. About this time of year, uh, you, you'll see it flowering in that. That is a ground cover, and that uh, is a really good addition uh, to your garden. Um, Tangerine Dream is a lower-growing plant, but you know that'll probably get to about a metre. I have uh, him, yeah. Out. And mm. you know, I've I've got three of those in my garden. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's my favourite, yeah. uh, along with the twenty others. But yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and it just flowers its head off, and, mm. and it's really great colour. Just yeah, I love it. Mm. So tell us about your garden. Well, uh, my garden's divided up into the back garden, which belongs to my wife, and <laughs> oh. the front garden, which belongs to me. And, yeah. You know, she's into exotic plants and uh, a whole lot of different stuff, and I'm into my natives. So yeah. I do have a lot of grevilleas in my garden, um, and uh, I negotiated early on to rip out one of the rose beds when we moved in, and now that's a whole lot of grevilleas. Mm. <laughs> um, but I but I have another you know I have wax flower and I have quite a number of kangaroo paws and uh, different things and you know it's a bit eclectic. I've got you know plants that I've collected you know out in the middle of nowhere, desperately trying to get them to grow in Perth. So I do that sort of thing, a bit of experimentation. But mm. yeah, well, that's got a nice compliment if you have the front and your wife does what she wants out the back. That's Absolutely. pretty good. Happy yeah. marriage. Yes. 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 So is it a manicured garden? Like, Do you tend to it to get the best out of it, to have plants flowering all year round? Because a lot of us plant, plant our natives and just kind of let it go and then wonder why it's not performing its best or Look, how there, we could do it better. Yeah, there's a, look, I, do a, I do a little bit of that, but I, I, my style of gardening – because you know my profession is brutal in terms of plant survival, uh, I do a bit of that in my garden. So I'll plant, you know, ten more than is required in that spot, and I just say, "Well, go for it, guys. You know, you sort it out, and yep. whichever one survives, I then go, wow, that's good. That's, uh, and you know, like blue lechonotia, which I just absolutely love. Yeah. So I planted up a lechonotia garden a few years ago now, and you know, they're one of the toughest lechonotias. But I've only got one left. Mm, but yes. that one that's left is doing really well in that little spot, and I'm very happy to keep it there. So it's so funny, you know. We have got the uh, Leshnoltia floribunda, I think, in our bushland. Oh yeah. And it just grows wild. Mm, well, it grows mm, by itself yeah. all year round, and then come springtime, it bursts into these beautiful like bowls of light blue. Oh, yeah. It survives year round. Fantastic you put species. it in the garden bang, and mm. it just, yeah, mm. well, I haven't put that one in the garden, but in the bush it does its own thing. Yeah. It doesn't look fantastic all year round, but when it performs, it 
just is amazing. And the the pollinators that come into that, the wasps, the native bees, the butterflies, the flower spiders, it's just a magnet for insects. Yeah, and, and you know, that is often characteristic of a lot of our species. They do really well uh, where they are, and you go, great, I'll put that in my garden. Mm-hmm. But because you're changing the soil type and the water regime, etc., you know, they've um, evolved over you know, hundreds of thousands, if not longer, years to perform really well in that situation. So when you change that, some of them are not that adaptable to cultivation, mm-hmm. which is why we have a breeding program, because we want people to be able to, you know, have the glory that is our flora, but then to be able to grow well in your yeah, garden and exactly. provide an environmental outcome as well. Mm. Okay, uh, question for you. We have Cheryl online. Good morning, Cheryl. How are you going? Uh, good morning, good morning, Carol Stigby. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm totally confused with the fertilising with um, native plants. I've got a fairly young garden here. The, the um, eldest plant would be about two years old, I suppose. A mixture of like grevilleas and eremophilas and hake, all sorts um, of natives down there. Um, about, a, oh, yeah, I suppose it'd be almost a quarter of an acre of them. Wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, the soil here, of course, is terrible in Oakford, um, pure sand and nothing else. Um, some people say don't fertilise. Some people say don't use anything but the slow release. Others say organic. I don't know what to put on. <laughs> I'm at the point now where um, I, I tend to slow fertilise um, in autumn and spring. Do they need anything in between that or not? Uh, look, and it's plant dependent, so you know some like an eremophila, for instance, they're they're generally pretty good. But you know they, you're right about those Oakford soils; um, they're pretty hungry. And so using you know a soil improver, uh, you know not a lot, but enough just to have, get some organic matter into the layer where the roots feed um, yeah. will really help both with water retention and hanging on to the fertilizer, so it doesn't disappear below the root zone when it when you water or when it rains. Um, so just any soil improver, Digby, or, or one, is, there, is there something specific for natives? Uh, yeah, I actually don't know that. I, I don't think it matters that much. It's just, uh, you know, as long as you don't do it uh, too heavy and really mix it in well because you don't want um, a delineation between the pure sand and then and the soil improver itself because then you'll just get a, a zone where the where the water won't go past, so you need to mix it in pretty well. Dick, but um, you might be able to comment on something that I've started doing, and that is using the pelletised chicken manures. Uh, there's Rooster Booster, Multigrow and Dynamic Lifter, and I've been sprinkling a little bit of that around my natives at this time of year. It breaks down and then I can rake it into the soil, and that helps add to the sandy soil. Yeah, the that look, that is true, but I on a lot of natives that are very sensitive to phosphorus because sometimes there's quite a lot of phosphorus in those products. So you don't in, you'd only use a little bit of that. Yeah, so don't, and a little you know, bit kind of does go a long yeah, way at yeah. an affordable price. That's right. So, mm. you know, that, that is certainly a solution as long as, you know, you don't go overboard. And so then that helps... The manure would be the best one of those pelletised sort of forms. Yeah, look... Oh, oh. There's, there's three varieties. They're quite mild I find and like a cup or two depending on the size of the plant 
not right close to the plant, yeah, but right. a little because that's what I'll do at this Feeding time of year. Soil. Go round, make a little well around the plant without yeah. disturbing the roots. Put a sprinkling in, it washes in, and then a couple of weeks later you can rake it yeah. and it just works its way into the soil. Yeah, that's right. So if you've already got plants oh, in the ground, that'll work. If you're, if you're preparing a, a, you know, just use a, a soil improver. But it's really about allowing the plant to have access to both water and fertiliser by helping, you know, that, that, that soil uh, be a, a little less gutless. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, twice, twice a year with a slow release should be fine or most, uh, but just observe yeah. the plant. And if you know it's getting a bit yellow or not looking great, you might need to add a bit more. Give it a boost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, same as the other lady. I've got a couple of grevilleas down there that are, um, yeah, that we're not struggling, but they they are um, yellowing a little bit and not looking their best. So, so I guess when people are looking for a grevillea for their location, they need to consider what their soil type is to get the best yeah. choice for that area? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, with the breeding program, we're trying to produce hybrids that will work in most situations. Uh, but because, you know, we just can't test them in every mm. situation. I mean, gardening to me is just an, an experiment. The whole experiment. Time. Yes. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, mm. So just mm. have fun with it, you know. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Thank you for that. That sort of clears things up a little bit. No, right. so... well, good luck. Wonderful. Thanks, Susie. Thanks, girls. Thanks, Welcome. Cheryl. Bye. Bye now. What about things like seaweed? Is that something you'd put on natives? Uh, look, you can do as well. Um, and the solution, either seaweed itself or mm. the seaweed solution, that you know what that does is helps the micro uh, flora in your soil, mm. and that's always you know beneficial to to plants as well. Any plant. So, mm. so it's just you know really getting that soil health. Um, yeah happening yeah. yeah okay all right let's head to Shelley Margaret good morning uh, good morning how are you we're uh, great how about you oh not too bad I'm just down the dog park so it's I can hear day. that <laughs> good on you good on you um, I've got a question about a, a I want to plant a tree and I hope hopefully a deciduous um, flowering tree um, it's going to be in full sun we filled our pool in and we want to sort of plonk it in the middle if we can um, and possibly, I don't know, six to eight metres tall. Not asking a lot, really, is it? <laughs> oh, the world is your oyster. Yeah, there something would be that size. so many mm. different choices. Uh, but I think we only have one deciduous Australian plant tree. I think so. Tree. from Tasmania? It's uh, Nothophagus gallii, is it? That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Yeah, so that probably wouldn't work. <laughs> I know they grow extraordinarily yeah. big. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So we're over to an exotic now. Um, oh, I'm sure Ray could rattle off a few. This is one of her loves, isn't it? What would be your Well, I'm thinking it, it's bigger than what... Sh I like my crepe myrtles, okay? Mm. I think they're... And some uh, grow... We've very, got one across the yeah, road. Yeah, mm. they, grow, they grow reasonably tall, but they are considered a small smaller tree so you're looking for something a lot bigger than that well look not a lot i mean what i want i'd like to be able to sit under it if i can um yeah. you know i don't want much i know <laughs> well liquid ambers will do that but that's yes big, they're huge big from mm. backyard yeah we had one of those yeah we were looking at a um 
my husband wanted a Japanese maple, but we didn't realise that you'd have mm. to keep it out of the sun. Yeah, yeah. very difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you know what? I reckon you probably need to go for a, a wander at one of the advanced tree nurseries. Well, people Although, probably yeah. want to belt me over the head. I love jacarandas, but they uh, can be problematic. So do I, but, you know, there's just so much mess. I know. That's, what I, that's, that's yeah. the belt over the head bit, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're beautiful. Yes, in my area where I live, there's some beautiful white ones, and they're just breathtaking. What will be underneath, um, lawn or paved? Um, no, uh, we're we're just going to put um, a ground covers sort of underneath. Yeah, so nothing huge. So the mess wouldn't you know. be so much of a problem then, because you could grow, um, and and when you say ground covers, I would go for something that's a little bit higher than flat. Because then any yes. anything that drops can fall into that uh, and okay. not be considered mess. Okay, good idea. Right, um, and so what did you call it? I didn't hear what name you called. Well, Sorry. just a, instead of having a flat ground cover, because the weed seeds get in there, they get the light and they still grow up through. If you had something yes. about 15 to 20 centimetres tall, any okay. of the, the flowers and whatnot sort of filter down. Yes. In fact, I've got... Yep. Uh, the osteospermum daisies that make quite a good carpet and any okay. sticks and small branches fall into that and it, right. it's very forgiving. Okay. So that's a daisy, did you say? The, the osteospermum. There's so oh, many different ones out okay. now. Uh, yes. Okay, the osteospermium. Barry, can you remember that, please? The osteospermium <laughs> ah, daisy. But I'm sure Digby can suggest other yeah. lowish plants that are West Australian. Mm. Well, there's some, okay. there's some great, uh, you know, uh, great aromophilus, mm. you know. Oh, sorry, I'm the, thinking of trees. Go oh, ahead. yeah, well, if you, yeah, if you want a non-deciduous uh, tree, we've just got um, Corymbia biliar orange mm. uh, available now, so... Um, they, they've come out of tissue culture, so they're not grafted. Um, I prefer they're looking really good. But if you want to, you know, if you're looking at a ground cover, you know, some of the aromophilas, there's some uh, certainly very prostrate uh, aromophila. Um, Calberry carpet's one. Yeah. Um, so okay. Some of those. Calberry carpet, Barry. Yeah, and that's like a really carpet. nice silver foliage. True. No. Uh, and there's a few different ones, so... It's the ground cover for underneath. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, so the trees, I should just go to a, a, a bigger tree nursery. And, Absolutely, and have a wander right. around. It's like, what a, what a fun <laughs> well, thing to you do. You won't really be able to see no. the leaves. At no, because everything <laughs> is deciduous. But yeah. what, what you're looking yeah. for is a certain size. You can choose yeah. a flower or foliage colour. Uh, yep. You probably want something with an umbrella-style canopy or branches that mm. go out. Uh, mm -hmm. That you might be able to sit under, so you're you're looking for a style of tree. Okay, any place you can recommend, or there's bigger trees, together, advanced tree nursery. You could go to Xantharia. They have um, well, they have gardens on display, and they sell natives. Okay. Um, so where and else? Um, go where? to Kings Park and have a look at what's up there. <laughs> Bigger trees, they're yeah, up in Pickering idea. Brook. She has a broad range and she's just actually got a heck of a lot of uh, new deliveries of uh, weeping style deciduous. Uh, yeah, okay. she's got a very broad Actually, just jump on the website, you know, and have a, have a read. And through. Guildford Town yep. Centre Guildford Town. Nursery. Yeah. Uh, okay. But actually, if you, if you Google, you can probably get a good idea of what type of tree you're after. 
Yes, well, we thought we had with the Japanese maple, you see, and then we, mm, got, yeah, we no. got whacked over the head. But, yeah, um, we haven't sort of... If you like, um, if you like that sort of fo- well, it's not the foliage, but the colour. Something simple like your forest pansies. There's a few new ones in that range now. They, they. It depends if it's going to be sitting in full sun. I don't think they do It'll well. It'll be sitting in full sun. Yeah, no, yeah, I, no, definitely. No. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. got to be got to be tougher than that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go to bigger trees and. We'll, oh yeah, we'll totally. To well, park. yep, yep. And uh, Faye is saying we need to go to a break. Yep. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, good luck. Thanks, for that. Margaret. Cheers. <laughs> Take you, care. Bye. And thank you for that, Faye. Two weeks off, it's all it takes. Curtain Radio. 28 minutes after nine, you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain FM 100.1. And yes, Margaret rang in with another tree idea, the Galiditsia. I did think of that one. Uh, it's not so much a flowering tree. It's really known for its foliage, isn't it? And the gold, gold yeah, foliage? Yeah. Oh, there might be there, a red There's several well. varieties. There is a red mm-hmm. and there is the green and there is the gold. Um, they've got a very big root system on them, the Glodetsias, so that's why, why I didn't sort of bring it up. But it is a lovely tree. Mm. Uh, there's even things like uh, a edible pear that can grow very big and the colours of the, the foliage that they go through, mm. yellow to orange and red, it's yeah. just amazing so mm. you could potentially have something that's edible as well as ornamental looks, looks good mm. okay let's go to kinross we're chatting with carol good morning good morning girls i've got another um lemon problem i bought a dwarf meyer lemon it's about five or six years old and this year is the first year that it's had a really good crop on it it's the fruits are about tennis ball size, and there was a dozen or so on it. Only problem was every one of them had between eighteen and twenty pips in it. Is that normal for a mile lemon? Oh, I, I'd say it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. I'm pretty sure I get a lot of pips in mine. I, I don't know. <laughs> I might throw this one to John and he can find out how many pips does your Maya lemon have. <laughs> Interesting, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> was lacking in something? No, I don't I think it so. Might be lacking in something. Oh, what determines how many seeds well, <clears throat> a plant has? Well, a plant will in there's a couple of things. If it's really healthy, it'll produce a lot of seed, but also if it's looking to about to die. It'll often put all its energy into producing the next generation. So there's, you know, that. hopefully it's not about to die and it's more healthy than. than oh, no, it, it looks healthy enough. It was yeah, just, so it uh, could just be because. Pips, I'd never had lemon or any citrus with that many. And, hmm, oh, it fits normal. I uh, just have to get used to de pipping a lot. No, we'll have a look into it for you, Carol. Yeah, just leave okay. it with us. Yeah. Okay. Another, so, another curly one. <laughs> It's all right. All right, love. I'd like to challenge you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for that. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Okay, and let's head to Menorah. We're talking about a tamarisk tree. Diana, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just wondered if you could tell me or help me, where will I find a tamarisk tree, bush, whatever you call it? I know they're very old, um, but I'd love one. Well, I remember... Caramar uh, Coastal Nursery, which aren't open to the public anymore, but I believe they wholesale, and I know they were supplying Carnup Nursery with trees. 
Um, But I would say ring any of your your nurseries, particularly the native nurseries. Um, So Xantharia, um, Carnup and Oakford Australian Native Nurseries, they'd been where I'd go to for starters. Oh, Digby? Yeah, no, those options sound probably the best. Yep. So that... That would be the places to try. But we can also get John to see if he can find anywhere. Sometimes he goes online and there'll be um, information there about who's got them in stock. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise it was classed as a native. Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the common name, so it may or may not be. No, just the tamarisk, isn't that? Uh, one that sort of blows and you can hear the breeze through the trees. Yeah, and it's very fine, feathery, yes. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I've seen them out here. Yeah. I'm just, just Googling and it's saying that it's not native. Not yeah. native, but yeah. coastal. Yeah. Coastal. Okay, well, very, very pretty. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. All right, All right. good luck. Cheers for that. And let's head to Mount Rishon. We are... Good morning, Wendy. How are you going? Oh, yes. I'm fine. How are you, girls? Very good. Thank you. And we've got Digby Grown with us here as well. Good morning. Oh, good. Very good. Um, I have a velocia plant, or a Scarborough lily, it's also known as. Yes. And it hasn't flowered for years, and I'm wondering if you can enlighten me why it may not be flowering. Mm. Is it in the ground or in a pot? It's in the ground. All right. Uh, it just may not have the conditions that it likes to flower. Uh, we tend to flower. We we tend to need to feed as the bulbs are growing down because that gives the bulb the energy to produce the flowers for the following year. What you could consider doing is digging it up. And has it multiplied at all? It's got a new shoot now. Mm, I probably wouldn't do it now because it might flower but if it doesn't flower this year as well as fertilizing it when um before next year so it can feed the bulb but i'd also consider putting it in a pot so using new potting mix and and putting it in more sun perhaps yeah well it's facing the west so it gets all the afternoon sun Mm. I think you just right. need to shake it up a bit, Wendy. Give it something different. Though I know they some bulbs can be a bit finicky, and I've certainly got some that were given to me oh, about five years ago, and they've never flowered. I've changed their potting mix. I've moved them. I've just thrown them into the um, garden near the bush now just to see what, what will happen. I haven't got the answer to them either, I'm afraid. Hmm. It's no good hitting it with a liquid potassium, things like that. Absolutely. That that can all help. Uh, but it will, I imagine it would probably want to flower in springtime if it's going to. It might be about sunlight and it might be about food. Okay. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. I good shall luck. try. I'm different. <laughs> okay, then. Thanks, Wendy. 
Bye for now. Leslie of Greenoff has lots of tamarisk trees growing. She grows new plants from cuttings in water. Ah, so you just need to find someone with a plant. Exactly. Okay. Let's go to Baker's Hill. Ros, good morning. Yeah, good morning, girls. How's it going? Very good. It's a bit cold up here, a bit chilly. Oh, yeah. um, it's taking a while to, to, to um, soar out. <laughs> um, look, I missed your... Um, item you had regarding fruit trees and uh, some bug that's getting into the actual branches and it ends up like a little uh, knot. Yes, a swelling in the stem. Yes. So that is the citrus gall wasp doing that damage? Uh, Well, see, I've got um, an ornamental flowering plum and I didn't notice it till this year and Oh, um, I've got quite a few of those starting to pop up on them. Right, okay. It looks like they're going to destroy the plant. Right. What we need you to do is take a photo and send it through to the Pest Guide Reporter app. Have oh, you, I see, yeah. Do you have a a smartphone? Uh, no, no, no. I've got nothing like smartphone. I'm mm. not even smart myself. Um, <laughs> do you do email at all? Um, I can get someone to do it, yeah. Right. It might be a good idea because this is not, um, yours is not in citrus, so it's something yeah. else. Oh, I see. I just thought that, you know, being like no. the ornamental flowering um, plum, it would be something like it. But no. anyway, I mean, um, they've got a similar sort of branch in that too because I've got plums here as well. Right. No, this sounds like something that needs to be reported because if if you've got swellings in the stem of a ornamental plum, yeah, it's different yep. again. And All right. nothing that really comes to my mind, um, yeah, would cover that. So you can yeah. either send us send it to send, us if you want to, Ros, yep, or and I can refer it. Yeah, is that yeah. easier? Yep. yep. All right, well, I'll put you back to Bev and she can give you our email. Yep, that'll be great. Okay, thank All right, you. I shall right. do that now. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Ross. All right, now we're going to talk about lamb's ears. They're so sweet. Di, how are you? Hi, Di. Very well, thank you. Good. Hi. Tell us about your lamb's ears. Yeah, we had a garden which, unfortunately, when they built a new sports centre, it got oversprayed. And we lost everything, so we're replanting. And we would like to get the starchy Byzanti lamb's ears, but I don't know where to get them. Oh, but they will be around at um, certain times. Um, and I'm assuming any plant, any place that does your cottage garden plants would be sure to have them, but also nurseries that are showcasing drought tolerant plants because these these are pretty tough they've got silver foliage and yep. they will tolerate low amounts of water and full sun um, I know uh, well any of your your nurseries Guildford Garden Centre um, Dawson's Waldex even your hardware stores will have them in at certain times yeah. you just need to ask but they're a, a cottage garden Thank plant, so I think. Lovely. Thank you very much for your assistance. You're welcome. Thanks, Di. Take care. Bye-bye. And let me see. I think we can squeeze in another call. We're in South Perth. Chris, how's it going? 
Oh, good morning. Hi, Chris. Glad to, glad to have you back. Oh, thank I you. I rang to uh, tell you about a lovely thing that happened in my garden this week. Ooh. When I moved in to my freestanding little unit four years ago, all there was was green lawn on the verge, 30 olive trees and white stones. So four years later, the the verge is now covered with natives. All the olive trees except one have gone and I've got, and all the white stones have gone. And I planted natives uh, down the driveway to the back car park. And during the week I heard cockatoos making you know, terrible racket, lovely racket. <laughs> so I went out to my dri- to the driveway and in the pincushion hakea tree that I planted was six of the huge black, white-tailed black cockatoos. How wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. on these, on the nuts. Yeah, they certainly nice. love that uh, hakea, yeah. Yeah, look, the nuts are really hard, and they were yeah chomping Going on them. For it, it was just such a beautiful sight. So I yeah, so that I'd... that's what planting natives can do. You know, you can bring the birds in. So you've gone from pretty much a, a desert uh, yeah. into a, into this great ecosystem. So yeah, well and done. And that's in four years. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And yeah, then, so the hakea is probably now twelve feet high. Yeah, yeah. And and hakea is actually a lot of species of hakea have those really hard fruit that um, you know those cockies just love. So they're a really good addition to your garden if mm. you want to attract you know those type of birds. Yes, and then last winter after the wattles that I planted in the driveway, also. Um, there was about a dozen pink and grey galahs eating the seeds. Yes, them. yeah. There's a real urban population of uh, pink and greys there now. There are, aren't there? Um, Is that a good thing? Mm. Well, around my in way. terms of, <laughs> in terms of you know pre-European settlement, you know what was there probably not, but by having you know uh, plants that produce seed because they're seed eaters, um, yeah, it's good. It's good to yes. have uh, the wildlife. Uh, through urban areas, we're really fortunate that, you know, compared to a lot of cities, that we we have that, and we can only, you know, we can increase it by planting more Australian more natives. To track. Thank you for sharing, Chris. Yeah. We appreciate. It. Yeah, and I can't get wait to get one of those pink grevilleas. <laughs> oh, that's right. I know. Yeah. Well will worthwhile. it grow in the part shade? Uh, it it will grow in part shade. They flower best when they get at least half a day of full sun, but. It, but it's a, it will do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good. Love Thank you for show. your happy story. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Okay, good. Bye-bye. Bye. And we'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. Special oh, no, guest in the studio yeah, with us this morning did... Digby Grounds from Kings Park Legendary Plant Breeder. It is a bit like sitting with royalty having you in here, Digby. And we were just saying in the break how fortunate we are to to live live in this place because 
we have so much diversity here and the story we just heard where lovely um wildlife bird life was coming into the garden because the owner had transformed the birds um it's it's inspiring um so we have received an email from gail we've received a couple actually and uh she has a question about grevilleas that were old and have powered through for 30 years and then she's got a, a cultivar that she's having a little bit more of a problem with, I think. Yeah, and it's um, it's in Malaloo, which you know it's probably got a higher pH than other parts um, of Perth, and uh, yeah, it makes the point about um, you know they should have some indication of where they grow. So uh, I don't know what that thirty-year-old uh, cultivar was, but if it's 30 years old, it's well adapted to growing in those conditions. Mm-hmm. It might be Olivaceae or one of those, which do really, really well in coastal conditions. Uh, so a lot of the plants at Kings Park breed, the species that we use are not adapted to those high pH soils. So, uh, And it's actually difficult to find species that you can use in hybridization programs that are adapted. Um, so it, it's certainly, if you're right on the coast, um, they often don't do well in those soil types. But that said, I've seen Scarlet Moon growing in Cottesloe that look absolutely amazing. So again, you know, some experimentation. Um, but if you really love them, grow them in a pot and then, you know, you can choose mm. the type of media that you have and get the full glory of the plant without, you know, putting it in the ground. And the other email that's just come in from Gail uh, mentioned that one. Uh, she said she can grow sea spray readily. Uh, that grows very well. And she's sent in a photo of touch light that was taken in spring 22. And the tree's now grown about another metre and is exactly what she had required for the position in the middle of the paving, not too big and reasonably narrow. And she also says she she feeds in the growing season, slow release fertiliser, but when she planted the touchlight, she put down some PVC pipe about a metre down, had holes drilled into it, and so she puts water down there, but also a soaker hose so that yeah. the the soil around it gets a thorough soaking, a slow thorough slow yeah, soaking. No, that's uh, mm. that's a really good idea. They're they're great ideas. So yeah, and sea spray, you know, it's not a Kings Park revealer, but it's a, a really good plant for those coastal areas. It looks so good in flower. It's actually um, Grevillea prizii, subspecies Glabrolimba, and it, it's native to the Greenhead area mm. um, and you know there's lots of limestone there so that's where olivaceae comes from as well so you know though olivaceae gets a bit big for some people but sea spray extraordinary plant mm. for coastal gardens we've got quite a few uh, of the olivaceae's at our place they're growing now without any water and some of them I've planted down the driveway and we just hedge them. But that's just a magnet for birds. They're always darting in and out of it. Yeah, they, they love it. Interestingly, you know, Olivaceae is actually fairly rare in the wild. Oh. You know, it's I think it's a priority species or rare. Um, but it's one of those ones that just adapts to gardens mm. and uh, has been very successful. 
Mm. Oh, it's it's a wonderful plant. I mean, anything that I can plant and is still surviving 20 years later with little or no care is fantastic. He's a winner. <laughs> I've, and I've got a few winners. I mm. just need that to, to cover some of the ground. Otherwise, we, we would have nothing but weeds. Yeah, mm. yeah. So some of those. So, you know, we're developing a line of um, a robust plants. We're uh, calling it Kings Park Favourites. So hopefully next year we'll have a line of plants out um, that are proven robust in Kings Park. Now, you know, that's not everywhere and it's not coastal, etc. but, uh, yeah, we're hoping that will inspire people to put particular plants in that are proven tough in Kings Park over many, well, many years. I think we natives have seen a few um, evolutions, haven't they? There was the, the natives of the 60s and 70s yeah. that people put in and then, boom, if you didn't prune them, mm. they were just gangly and straggly yeah. and they gave natives a bad name back then yeah they certainly did and you know it's often it was the wrong selection for um you know they might have been selected for eastern states you know conditions and then they just didn't do well here so and that's another reason why you know the breeding program is doing what we're doing and there's been a lot of other selection work you know just finding plants like you know calvary carpet that that do well and and so, you know, nursery people have done some great work over the years just to find those cultivars that will do really well in people's gardens. And, yeah, it's changing now. Okay, I've got a $75 gift voucher. I better give it away before 10 o'clock or um, Bev will dong me on the head. It's from Green Life Soil Co. Now, with a motto of delivering a greener garden and a philosophy founded in permaculture, Green Life Soil Co. promote biodiversity and sustainability. Look, there's a wealth of information on their website. Go to greenlifesoil.com.au where you will find the products you need to match all of your gardening requirements and a whole lot more, let me tell you. Join up there for their monthly newsletter too. It is free, full of useful information. And they... Also specialise in custom mixed soils made on site for you. Many of their products are organically certified and a number of their soil amendment products are water-wise endorsed. And for the big stuff, Green Life do deliver and also provide courtesy trailers, should that be of interest to you. A lot of their products come in bags too for us smaller gardeners. Now, here's the question, not to have won a prize. In the last 28 days, must be a Curtain Radio member. True or false? According to the C. S, sorry, start again. According to the CSIRO, there are 6,400 species of flies in Australia. True or false? According to the CSIRO, there are 6,400 species of flies in Australia. Give Bev a call now on 94841927 with your answer. 100.1 Special guest in the studio with us today, Digby Grounds, and we've had a really interesting morning talking natives and in particular about the new Grevillea release, Bulu Moon, which sounds very, very exciting. For me, I describe it as hot pink. That's probably incorrect. That's an old-fashioned terminology, oh, but the enough. photos yeah. look absolutely <laughs> magnificent. And and tell me, a couple of years ago, there was a huge amount of fanfare. You had those special kangaroo paw releases, in particular the yeah. blue. How has that gone? Oh, look. It's gone viral, um, yeah. you know, so uh, absolutely amazing, the reception. And, you know, certainly in the early days, they were hard to get. And, oh, uh, yeah. Now they're more readily available. But, you know, we've released that now in Europe and in the US and it's going into Japan, into South Africa, into South America. So it's really 
captured the imagination of the global community. And when they're exported, they're exported as a whole plant? It's not... Uh, No, so uh, our um, commercial partner, uh, Ram Botanicals, they have uh, tissue culture laboratories right, in Sri Lanka. Right, got you, got you. That's how and you so know. those tissue culture laboratories um, produce the plants in tissue culture and then, ah. you know, they'll ship them under order from there, say, to the US or to Europe, to Australia, uh, and then uh, wholesale nurseries will take those um, tissue cultures, put them in plugs and then supply them through the supply chain. So, wow, yeah. wow, that's fascinating. Big okay, business, yeah. so it's going global. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's no, very... it's, it's been extraordinary and it's been fantastic for the for You the have a lot of demand globally for the natives here in, in Perth? Um, look, some yes and, and some not. So, you know, the the real standout is, is wax flower, Geraldton wax. So yeah. that's a, been a garden plant for 100 years. It's mm. been a cut flower, uh, started in California, uh, in the 1940s, now there's 100 million stems a year sold around the world. So, um, you know, we've got a breeding program on that and, and, you know, growers in South Africa and Israel are starting to grow our varieties um, for those, you know, European and uh, American markets. Kangaroo paws are, are now following that, um, you know, pathway uh, and there are a number of others, you know, um, with climate change, areas like California with, you know, limited water, mm. they'll embrace things like Revillia and Aeromophilas and, and those type of plants. Uh-huh. You know, they have their own flora, which is adapted mm. to their country, but yeah. our flora is so spectacular in flower as well as being hardy. They really, they just love that. So, uh-huh. yeah. You would have seen a lot of changes in your career, wouldn't you? The, right. the evolution and development of yeah. technology and... Yeah, look, it's a, it's been a great ride, absolutely. And um, what I really find fantastic is, you know, just within the Perth area, how many people are now embracing growing, you know, native plants and really learning about them. And uh, and as part of that, you know, like we heard earlier, you know, bringing your garden to life with, with the, you know, local birds and, yes. and the fauna. Yeah. And we do have a prize winner, Roma of Yokine, for the Green Life Soil Co. voucher, $75 voucher, making its way to you, Roma. Let us know what you do with it. Our question was, true or false, according to the CSIRO, there are 6,400 species of flies in Australia. The answer is false. There are an estimated 30,000 species, but only 6,400 have been described. Okay, the source being the CSIRO website. Okay, and let me see. Today's program was sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. I'll be quiet now. You can finish off. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to John. He has actually found a supplier with tamarisk in stock, and that is Advanced Nursery out in Wanneroo. Ah, yes, yes. Now, Digby, one of the problems that we've had over the years is the, the hangover from the 60s and 70s with people planting natives and I know one of the issues can be when you go to a a nursery and there's a label that says native and it's a mix of anything from South Africa to New Zealand we've got eastern states natives like how how is a gardener supposed to unravel that lot yeah look at and you're right so just because it's a native doesn't mean to say it's going to do well in your situation so really do a bit of research, um, you know, ask the nursery. If you're going, you know, go to a specialist nursery, you know, Xanthoria is always really good for um, knowledge about 
you know, plants in Perth. That's true. You know, They're Nancy very knowledgeable. out at Oakford, um, you know, Australian, uh, I think Australian... Australian native, native, native nurseries. nursery. Yeah, mm. used to be Oakford farm trees, but, um, you know, she's awesome in terms of what her knowledge is. So you go and have a chat to them about uh, what they recommend and they've just got such great experience. But, you know, if you're in a, a retail nursery and you can't do that, um, you know, there's a little bit of trust, but if it's from around the area, it should be okay, but you have to do a bit of homework. And I guess Kings Park also, you can wander the gardens there and and just see what's on offer, what grows in the different locations. Yeah, that's locations. right. And there's often, they're not all labelled, but they often are. So yeah, can, I love that. You can go to school on, oh, you know, I really like that plant. Mm. Can I get that species or can I get something that, you know, is like that species? So... Um, yeah, that type of thing uh, works really well. And, you know, it's always a great day in Kings Park. <laughs> and always, or night. Yeah, how how right. long have you been there now, Digby? Did you uh, well, 17 years. And oh, it seems like years. it was only yesterday. It's been, mm. uh, you know, Fantastic I, I live a fortunate life and it's a part of my fortune. So I'm really... How long do you envision continuing? Oh, probably another 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good on no, you. Look, I, I, I just enjoy it so much. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't. I just turned sixty-five, so you know you don't live forever, apparently. So I'll, you know, who said that? I'll. Uh, yeah. But you can go on doing what you love. That yeah. well, that's exactly right. And and do you have? Are you probably not able to share? I imagine, like certainly, the Bulu Moon is uh, your latest. Uh, what can I? How can I describe that? But you must have more things coming through. You probably it's oh, all yeah. top secret. Uh, well, some of them are, but uh, mm. some of them are not. So you know the. We've got two other grevilleas uh, coming through. One's called Webb's Legacy, which was named after a, a former director of both uh, Kings Park and huge supporter of the. Red, bre- I've read breeding, about that one breeding I program. Think. Yeah, so that'll be that should be available either later this year or next year. And then there's another one um, called Coral Moon, um, which is very similar to Bulu Moon, but um, has got uh, cherry. Oh, sorry. it's Cherry Moon, not Coral has got cherry red flowers, um, and so that's a that'll be a great uh, plant to plant with the Bulu Moon. And again, that'll be available either later this year or or early next. And then there's a a range of kangaroo paws that are currently being tested with a whole range of new exciting colours, and they'll be coming through over the next few years. Oh, so we've got stop. A lot. Yeah, coming through. See, I'm attracted to... You need a bigger garden, right? I'm attracted to, yeah, new and sparkly, as Faye calls it. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. yeah. Shiny things. Shiny things. <laughs> I love it. Mm. There's a, you know, there's a wax flower out now uh, called Local Hero that's been around for a couple of years. That's a more compact plant, and we've gone into partnership um, with the SAS fund on mm. that. So every plant sold a dollar will go yeah. to that fund, which helps support, you know, the families of of uh, soldiers affected by war um, so keep an eye out for that there'll be a, a lot of those around that's a really good addition to your garden if you like low growing plants mm-hmm. uh, but yeah 
we've got lots coming through. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> You've been a champion this morning. Really appreciate it no, having appreciate, you on air with us. It's been yeah. wonderful. We'd love to have you back again. I know you're a busy man and you must value your time to yourself on the weekend as well. I oh, know. Look, talk about plants. I'll be there. You're as happy. You're as happy. You're like us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So thank you very much for joining no us problem. this morning. Bakara, did you have anything to it's say? It's been a pleasure. Always got lots to say, Ray, but I'll leave it there. You'll hold <laughs> hold on till next next Saturday morning at 8, 8 o'clock. It's it's good to be back. It is great. So mm. thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden. My gardenism for the morning is there is no gardening without humility. Nature is constantly sending even its oldest scholars to the bottom of the class for some egregious blunder. Classic 60s are next with our very own George Minoldi. Thank you for allowing us to go over again, George. You're very, very patient and kind. And everybody out there, enjoy this beautiful weather. It's just lovely these next few days. And look after yourselves and happy gardening, everybody. Okay, cheers for now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.